This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey everyone, it's Chris. If you haven't yet left us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, I would really appreciate it if you could take a moment to do that. Positive reviews really do help new listeners to find the show. Thanks so much, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hey there, listeners, future callers, and cooking enthusiasts. This is Dinner SOS, the show where we help you save dinner, or whatever you're cooking. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious. And today, I'm joined by some very special colleagues. Hi, I'm Rachel Gurjar, and I'm an associate food editor in the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen. I'm Kendra Vaculin, and I am also an associate food editor at Bon Appetit. My name is Ines Anguiano, and I'm the Test Kitchen Coordinator at Bon Appetit. If you've received your December issue of Bon Appetit, then you know our food editors went all in on a cookie swap this year. So today, on Dinner SOS, we're bringing you a cookie swap swap. We have each chosen one of our colleagues' cookie recipes from the December issue. And we're going to go around the table and make a case for why that should be the cookie you make this holiday season. And then we'll answer some listener questions about curating the perfect cookie selection. Basically, we're going to talk about cookies first, and then we're going to talk about cookies again, but in a different way. And then we're going to talk about cookies after that. Got it? Before we start the cookie swap swap, let's just talk about cookies. I feel like everybody in their heart of hearts is a cookie person at the end of the day, right? Or, or is that not right? I think some more than others. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Who is not a cookie person here? I'm not really a cookie person. I think it's one of those things where, yeah, it's a little bit of something for everyone, but I think it's really hard to sell that it is worth the hoopla. Mm. Whoa. To me, like a cookie is a home product. Mm-hmm. Like if I go to a bakery, I'm not spending my American dollars on a cookie. Mm. I'm going to buy something that takes more time, like a croissant yeah. or, you know, it's something that I can't make at home. Cookies feel like that's something I do. Yeah, it's it's giving laborious. I think that's the thing for me. <laughs> where it's just giving, like, project. There's no cookie that comes to mind where I'm like, oh, yeah, just like, mm. even though you can. But sure. it's just like the cookie I want, the cookie I dream about, it's very seldom that, like, I think that it's easily achievable. Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree that it it certainly is hard to find a wonderful cookie out in the world. And it is true that like you can make a great cookie at home. Mm-hmm. You can make a cookie that's probably better than a lot of what you can get in most bakeries, stores of any kind. And then you can have all dozen to yourself. Yes. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to spend three fifty on one lackluster cookie. Yeah. And your house smells amazing. Yeah, true. Yeah. 
<laughs> know where I went just then? You remember the movie Clueless? How when Christian's like coming over, she's just like, I better be baking something. Yes. So she just dumps the log of dough onto the cookie sheet and just shoves it in the oven. And then, of course, forgets about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, you're supposed to do that when you want to sell your house. Correct. You're supposed to like <laughs> right. make the smell of cookies in your house and then people will buy it. I'm curious to hear everybody's kind of earliest cookie memories or just like holiday cookie memories? Mm. For me, my aunt, Marianne, shout out Marianne Schofield in Seattle, Washington. She, for as long as I can remember, makes like 30 types of cookies for Christmas. Like truly, I mean, she's a maximalist across the board. Like she has three Christmas trees, but <sighs> she also is like making so many Christmas cookies and going to her house we would usually go up to Seattle after we had Christmas, like, as a family. Then we'd go up to see my dad's side of the family in Seattle and have Christmas part two on, like, the 27th. And dessert was always the best part because she would put out platters upon platters upon platters upon platters of cookies. And you would do your best not to get fooled because there were two cookies that looked a lot alike. And one was, like, fully chocolate and one had rum inside of it. And as a child, nothing could be worse than, like, accidentally oh. eating the rum ball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, I don't even know where she found the time to make all these cookies. But it was everything. It was, like, all the frosted cookies, like, cut out in the shapes of, you know, the tree and the wreath and the elves and whatever. She would make all sorts of, like, M&M cookies with all this, like, mix-ins. Everything was red and green, frosted, sprinkles. There was, like, the non-baked, like, haystack-style cookies, brownies, the bark. I mean, it was crazy. Oh, so this was a thing. She yeah, did everything. She, she's the queen of cookies. Yeah. So that's that's my number one memory regarding Christmas cookies. I love that. Uh, what about you, Rachel? Like, where do cookies bring you? For me, so I grew up in India and my mom never baked cookies, but I do remember going to a local bakery and picking up cookies. And in India, we don't call them cookies. They're biscuits. Oh. <laughs> of course. <laughs> So uh, we went to pick up biscuits and there is one that I really like. It's called Nan Katai. It's kind of like a shortbready. That's the vibe. It's very simple, mm. but it's so delicious. And then we have a couple of other variations with spices, which are really yummy. The ones with spices, you would see flecks of cumin seeds on top. Mm -hmm. um, there's usually a simple sugar crust. Mm -hmm. It's not even a glaze. It's, you know, when the glaze really hardens and it becomes mm -hmm. like crispy. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember that. And then during Christmas, because there's a big Christian community in India. So they would do the fancy ones mm -hmm. with green and red and like white frosting. So I remember that. I love it when the frosting on a cookie is hard. Crunchy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very bakery. Yeah. I like it when it's hard so I can chip it off mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. not eat it. And it can just <laughs> sit there in a little pile on my plate that like one of the kids can come along and hoover up. <laughs> What about you, Inez? Were you always a cookie Grinch or or did you grow into it? I think it's genetic. Because um, thinking back, <laughs> I was a big cake family. And I don't mm. know if that's from being around a lot of women from the American South, but just cakes, uh, cookies. It was like one of those things where we just did not care. Mm. We'd get like the little bags, you know, where you can like add the oil, add the egg, yeah. and then like it's a cookie. That's what a cookie <laughs> has always been in my mind. But um, outside of like... My grandmother would have all those little tins that you swore were cookies. Totally. And it was like sewing. sewing it was like sewing stuff. <gasps> yeah. And you were like, are you serious? But occasionally there yes. was the cookies inside. So like 
that was a cookie. And I was like, oh, look, these are cookies. The but little like, Danish butter cookies. Yes. Yeah, yes. no. My family was big on like, I. we even had like popcorn in the holidays more than we did uh, like the cookies, like yeah. the multi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the caramel, cheddar, cheddar and caramel. Right, yeah. right, right. But no, cookies never. Like it was just so on the bottom of the list of the worries of our world. Yeah. Like it was just <laughs> not there. I love that like with cookies, and it's, it's similar to you, Kendra. Like for me, it's like the pleasure of cookies sort of compounds like exponentially. You know what I mean? Like where it's like one cookie's good. Uh-huh. Two cookies is like really freaking yeah, good. Yeah, for sure. Like a plate with five different cookies. Yeah. It's like you are like flying on like 98 octane yeah. holiday fuel. Yeah, that you know meme I mean? like, where like the guy's like one, two, and then three, his eyes are like beams <laughs> of light are shooting out. Like that's you with a plate of cookies. Yeah, and that was like, that was my grandmother, mini Morocco. It wasn't one type of cookie. It was like eight. And she would start baking at the beginning of December with the goal. And I don't know where this came from because these days it just sort of seems sort of demented that she was like cooped up in her kitchen like 120 degrees for the entire month of December just making tray after tray Mm. after tray of cookies with the express purpose not just of eating them during the holidays but she would give them away and I don't mean like she gave like a plate here a plate there it was like we got like a Bloomingdale's robe box full of cookies (laughs) like that was like my family's allotment you know what I mean? That's really and funny. like everybody that she liked got a box that big. You know what I mean? And if she didn't like you, there were no cookies no for cookies you. No cookies for you, yeah. The Bloomingdale's box just made me think of my family like doesn't do snow sports. Like I don't know mm-hmm. how to ski. I've never done that before. We just never like went on snow vacations. But except for one time when I was 13, we decided we would go to Mount Shasta and like see what the snow was all about. <laughs> and we're driving there and, you know, had packed up all of our groceries and stuff to go stay in this cabin. And between my sister and I in the back seat was this giant Tupperware of all of our Christmas cookies <laughs> that we were bringing with us to this cabin. And there was a blizzard and we got stuck on the freeway for 13 hours. We <gasps> ate all the cookies. And my sister and I ate every single cookie. Like we were wow. we were literally stuck on the side of the road. We didn't have chains. Like we didn't know how to, we're California people. We don't know how to do the snow. It was a whole thing. And my mom was just like, we will survive because we have 55 Christmas cookies in the car and we just ate those for our entire trip. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow, what a story. Yeah, your blood sugar, maybe not so much. I know. <laughs> it was it was pretty bleak otherwise. I think my parents were like, you guys can eat the cookies. We'll eat like sliced deli turkey that we had in the cooler. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, Inez, Rachel, Kendra, and I are going to tell you which of our colleagues' cookies you should make this year. Hi, friends. I'm Cameron Rogers, mental health advocate, mom of two, content creator, and host of Conversations with Cam. This podcast is dedicated to having honest conversations, prioritizing your well being, and reminding you that no matter what you're feeling, you are not alone. We'll discuss mental health maintenance, the ups and downs of motherhood, the trials and tribulations of life, and have a lot of fun along the way. Whether you're knee deep in diapers or just trying to keep your sanity intact, this podcast is for you. Expect laughs, maybe a few tears, and hopefully some breakthroughs along the way. Make sure to subscribe and tune in for new episodes of Conversations with Cam every Wednesday morning. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. 
you earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome back to the Dinner SOS Cookie Swap Swap. So like last year, we didn't really have a strong cookie moment. There were a couple as part of the Claire Saffitz package of recipes. I don't know. I think the question of like every brand every year seems to come out with anywhere from one to like seven new cookie recipes. And at the end of the day, like how many people like need another cookie recipe? Yeah. You know, that was that was me. Like, I, I guess I had taken the page out of Inez's book last year. So we didn't do it. And we were mad at you. And you guys were mad at me. I'll be honest. subtext. Well, you were like, you know, the space is inundated with cookies. Which it is. People will get their cookies elsewhere if they need to, and we can provide a different service, which is a good point. And yet, I was like, I want to do cookies. (laughs) I know. And then we didn't do it. And then I was like, oh, I feel like 15% sadder, you know, that we didn't tackle cookies as a team, you Mm -hmm. know. And when this year rolled around, I think we all felt so strongly that we wanted to have a really fun cookie moment. And I feel like we did it. Yeah. I'm so happy that we did it in this way too, where every member of the test kitchen got to like do their thing. And we got to see the breadth of what a cookie box curated by our group would look like. Yeah, totally. totally. And they took all types of forms and shapes. And the whole conceit was sort of like the BA kind of test kitchen slash staff does a cookie swap, right? We all kind of bring our own kind of cookies and personalities and ideas and personas to the table. Um, Well, all except for me, of course, because I did not develop a cookie this year. (laughs) (laughs) I just ate the cookies this year. But the fact that we did them was enough for me. And so I want to do a cookie swap swap where we go around and we each talk about one of the cookies that our colleagues made this year that we just totally fell head over heels for. How does that sound? Sounds good. I'm in agreement. Yeah. And and as like, I want like 38% more energy. (laughs) Like the the work is done. The hard part is over. Don't worry. We're not going to make you do another cookie for like at least nine months. It was definitely a challenge, but I am glad to be on the other side of it. Okay. Inez, take us out of the gate here. What was the cookie, you know, from the ones that we developed this year that you want to talk about? I think hands down, it's the one that embodies just sort of my philosophy around cookies and my sentiments, but also like ease me into just like, okay, I can accept this cookie. It was (laughs) Rachel's chili cheese cookie. I think it was one of those things that I'd never seen before. Could not conceptualize it. I think when she was first like telling me about the idea, I was like, how are we going to bridge that sort of world between like something being a savory cracker and then a cookie? Like, what is a cookie? I think it sent me into this space of just like thinking of that. Um, And that existentialism brought me to (laughs) one of the greatest things I've ever had. I think it had everything that I could ever want. It was salty. Mm -hmm. uh, One of my faves. 
Um, it had cheddar cheese, so it was sharp. It had a generous, just like addition of Aleppo around the sugar crusting. There's something just about how everything came together. Everything was so cohesive, but so different. It's one of those things that you could never imagine until you have it. Mm. I would have never seen it working as well as it did. And it's beautiful. Like, it's just everything I like about eating. Totally. It's the way it looks, it's the way it tastes. And then also just like, The way it reimagined for me what cookies can be was really what sold it for me. Yeah, it's like it's so squarely a cookie. Right. Like the thing about that cookie is like we've done like the Ina Garten. We did it in the magazine, I think, for last Thanksgiving even. The Ina Garten slice and bake crackers that that were like cheddar crackers or Chipotle cheese crackers. And while the slice and bake part of it are the same for those two things— they could not taste more different. Correct. They are so distinct. And this is 100% belongs in your cookie box, belongs on your dessert table energy. It's the sweetness against the chili Correct. that is like out of this world. Right. And it's so not a cracker. I think that was the thing, too, where I was just like, how did you get this to be so buttery and like so smooth? <laughs> it's so delicious. It's so good. Yeah, I agree. Like there's something about preserving that slightly open, tender, buttery, crumbly, more like almost like sable texture mm-hmm. of like a sweet, almost like shortbread style cookie, but then overlays this like savoriness to it. It's not that it doesn't have sugar and to your point, it's not that it's like a cracker. It has that like wonderful kind of melt in your mouth quality, tempered slightly by the fact that there is that sort of like solidity, you know, from the cheese that kind of comes in and sort of like supports that structure. But it's a real fun kind of like hybrid of like both sweet and savory and just so nicely done. Yeah. My husband, who is usually like anti- sweet thing in his savory. He's like, you know, get the fruit out of the salad type of energy. I brought him home like a quart container of these chili cheese cookies and he demolished them. Totally. What about you, Rachel? Which cookie did you pick? I picked Kendra's matcha swirl spritz cookies, actually. Mm. (laughs) They are Grinch colored, but I feel like in your cookie box, you need a cookie like this. Mm. You know, that just oozes the holidays. It is so inviting. It's so bright and it's so fun. And as I was testing this recipe, I realized how easy it is to make. Just like this cookie is your in. So, you know, if I was friends with Inez as a kid, I would be like, let's make these cookies (laughs) because you have two colors. They're fun. You know, you use your little uh, spritz press, which makes it more fun, and mm-hmm. then you can decorate it. So really an easy, delicious, kind of fun, creative cookie in your cookie box that is needed. And they're so durable. I think that sometimes when I saw you like making them with the gun, I was like, oh my God, these are going to be like dainty. Mm. You blow on them, they shatter <laughs> cookies. Yeah. But I think that just like the integrity of them is also like really impressive. And they're so much more than meets the eye. They're so gorgeous. Yeah. I feel like cookie presses have fallen kind of out of favor. I don't know. Is that fair? No, like, I think that's I, I, true. No, it's true. This is a style of cookie that is, you know, born of the fact that like there are certain doughs that just have such a high proportion of fat that you can't roll and cut them Mm -hmm. because they would just fall to bits like you'd never get them off your surface. They're too rich to be sliced. You know, I guess you could drop the dough, but then you would have like a shapeless mass, right? Mm. But instead, like the the dough is extruded like pasta, right? Like the press is pushing it through uh, one of many plates that come with the press. 
And I'm sure there's got to be some wild Etsy store oh, hell like yeah. devoted to like specific vintage cookie press forms to those dyes. And it gives you this cookie that like, Inez, I think you mentioned like Danish butter cookies, right? Like a cookie that is like, it's so buttery and so tender, so melt in your mouth, just wants to just like evanesce at the touch, you know, of like a finger. I have like a very strong association with holiday spritz cookies because my grandma, she always had green Christmas trees in the mixture, right? And because she was an Italian-American, she had to put like multicolored Mm non-pareils all over them. I Mm -hmm. mean, just like literally she must have had a cannon. She would just like be firing colored sprinkles (laughs) at like everything she ever baked. But with this cookie, with the chili cheese cookie and the ones that, you know, we're going to be talking about shortly as well. I think the question for me is always like, what is the thing that's going to draw people in? You know, like what about each cookie makes it feel familiar and inviting? What is like that additional layer that's new that we're bringing to it this year? And that inclusion of matcha really felt like the one thing that was going to make this spritz cookie feel like it was different from every other spritz cookie out there. Yeah, for sure. And crazily, great timing. We actually just tested, I was talking to Sonia Chopra earlier and she was like, you should figure out a way that you can use this dough for people who don't have a press. So just earlier this morning, we sort of marbled the two colors together and rolled it into a log and then froze that for 30 minutes and then sliced and baked it and it worked great. So if you don't have a press, you actually can still make these cookies. They won't be as like extraordinarily gorgeous, (laughs) but um, they are really delicious still, if I do say so myself. They are. Okay. Kendra, you are up next. Okay. So the cookies that I chose were the cookies that were the biggest journey this year, which were Inez's (laughs) baklava cookies. Um, (laughs) They they were absolutely worth there was a lot of trial, but it was worth it. And a lot of error. It's okay. <laughs> There's there even more error to trial. It was so worth it. Like, Inez came in with this idea of, like, baklava, but make it a cookie, which it, you just hear that phrase and you're like, I'm in, sold, take all my money. Like, I want that. And with such diligence, she tried to make their bee phyllo dough <laughs> in this cookie like tried so hard to make that be true and it fought her every step of the way to the point where at the end it was like no we're not using this dough at all we're taking the beautiful honey nutty gorgeous filling of a piece of baklava and we're stuffing it into the belly of sugar cookie dough and baking it off and then we're tossing that in this spiced rose petally sugar mixture i mean it is not only so delicious, like when you bite into it, visually seeing that like nutty belly on the sort inside. Of like molten inside. God, yeah. it's so good. But also the fragrance, like it really, if you just close your eyes, it smells like baklava, that mixture of pistachio and rose. It's so evocative to me. This is definitely the cookie that I will be making this year. I think it's so stunning and the payoff is huge. I know there was a, it was a labor of love, but we are so grateful to you for sticking with it. Thank you so much. What did Chris say earlier? I want to evanesce right now. (laughs) (laughs) For someone who does not like cookies, Inez, it was amazing to see your journey and then to just see the result of this cookie being, it's a special cookie. Thank you so so much. And now we know Filo dough, it's not for cookies. It's for other stuff. Yeah. Save it for your Spanakopita. <laughs> no, it definitely gave Test Kitchen. Yes. <laughs> it definitely was giving 
experience, <laughs> but I think it showed me too, just like that's the whole point of this, or just like I think that's what's so spectacular about each one of these cookies mm-hmm. is that it really does do the work of reimagining what a cookie is, and just like we get cookies every year, yeah. but I've never seen some like these. No, these are it's so good, and like when you say it's a cookie, but it's baklava. There are a lot of different directions you could go because baklava can be a lot of different things. Correct. And this, I think, is like the perfect combination. I love it so much. It's a great cookie. Yeah, there was pretty much a 0% chance of us walking out of this recording session not having discussed the baklava cookie, (laughs) even if nobody had chosen it. Because I think developing recipes professionally is sort of predicated on this notion of being able to sort of like pitch people an idea, right? Like baklava cookie. That sounds great. It's like take something that is familiar and you know, but add an element that is unfamiliar and away you go off to the kitchen to make it a reality. Well, I mean, like the nature of recipe developing is that you hope you can make good on that promise (laughs) or otherwise stated to your point, Kendra, like there's multiple sort of possible outcomes to that setup, right? And it's so rare that what we initially go into pitches with is what comes out there at the end. (laughs) Like it it inevitably goes through mountains of changes or else you didn't really test it. Yeah, there's a lot of trial and error because, yeah, to your point, it's like we were using phyllo dough in ways that were you know, perhaps like not entirely in line with its capabilities, but we were really trying to push. Yes, crimes against culinary. (laughs) But I think that was really important, Inez. Like I know like sometimes the journey is very painful, you know, and I, I agree. Like there comes a moment where I think we all kind of collectively sense that like, you know what, you're not just going to simply cook your way out of this problem. Mm -hmm. You need to pivot, you need to adapt and you need to kind of find a new direction to let this concept, this idea breathe. And I think you did that so well. The moment at which, you know, you kind of maintained, you know what, this is not meant to be a phyllo-based cookie. We are going to do something different. We are going to do like essentially like a drop style sort of neutral sugar cookie dough, and we're going to encase the filling within it. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, at that point, go for it. It sounds really smart. It solves the problem. And it still delivers on that sort of central premise of like, we're going to give you a baklava cookie. Even more so, I would argue, like, like, I didn't know that this would be the case. But if we had used it, and you had miraculously gotten it to be a cookie, I would have been like, well, this is just baklava, but in a different shape. Right. And this instead really delivered on it being a cookie, but with the flavors of baklava. Right. And I think it challenged me ultimately to define like in my own mind, okay, what is baklava? It's not flaky pastry. Mm -hmm. That's flaky pastry. Yeah. So then it also gives you an opportunity to assess what is this thing Mm -hmm. and ask those questions for yourself. You can experience something so many times, but until you really sit with it and like sort of like dissect it, you don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, lastly, the cookie that I wanted to talk about is Jesse Shefchek's Morris cookie. Mm-hmm. And and part of the reason is that the process was almost exactly like the baklava cookie, right? It's like somebody says s'mores cookie and the deep voice inside you is just like, yes, I want that. <laughs> but the question is like, okay, what aspect of a s'mores are you trying to recreate and how? And how do you do it in such a way that a home cook, somebody who doesn't feel nearly the same confidence that you might in the kitchen, is able to follow it and and recreate that? And Jesse started off making 
a sort of Linzer style cookie. It was like yeah. a graham cracker crumb based dough that then used a layer of toasted marshmallow in the sort of like what would normally be the jam layer of a Linzer with a window pane sort of top slab mm-hmm. of cookie on top of it. And I forgot that's how this cookie started. Yeah. That's how it started, right? I mean, isn't that like freaking wild? <laughs> and we kind of looked at it and we were like, this is like really clever. This is pleasant. And then it was like, yeah, let's change it. Like, it's not enough. Just because it's reimagining the s'mores experience, it's not necessarily taking what's great about a s'mores and amplifying that, mm. right? And actually, when you sit there and think about it, is a s'mores like that good? You know, if you weren't in the woods, if you hadn't gotten bitten by like a hundred mosquitoes that day and also had a sunburn, would it hit the same way? <laughs> And so instead of like hard kind of crappy graham crackers that like you forgot about last summer and now are like back for like this summer's <laughs> s'mores rodeo, you have like a drop style cookie that's very tender and uses graham cracker crumbs still in the dough, but it's like a soft, chewy, crispy cookie. You then have marshmallow fluff store-bought which is broiled in the oven. Like, I couldn't believe this. He just spreads it out on a baking sheet, broils the heck out of it until it's like black, Mm -hmm. and then incorporates that torched marshmallow, stirs it back through the rest of the fluff. And and funnily enough, it does. you would think that the whole thing would turn black. It doesn't. It's still like mostly white. And it comes off the sheet pan really, it's (laughs) actually crazy. Like, how does it? I I don't even know. (laughs) I thought that was going to be a disaster to clean up. And (laughs) he just scraped it right off and plopped it back in the jar. It's amazing. Yeah, completely. And then he has like a water-based ganache. So just like a mixture of melted chocolate with water just to thin it out so that it stays kind of supple when it firms back up. And then it's done, you know, as a sandwich cookie. What what do we call that? Like a whoopie whoopie pie. pie. Yeah. So it's like, again, it's like following these like really fun, really compelling kind of ideas and inspiration, but following them through the journey of how they became a reality and all the decisions that kind of went into it along the way. I just love that like it took all of the great things about s'mores and made them better and made them replicable and something that you can pass out on a plate around the holidays or any time of year, frankly. It would really only be Jesse, Cookie, Prince, who would think, I'm going to take graham crackers, blitz them (laughs) into a powder, and then use that as the flour in my cookie. Like, that's some (laughs) evil scientist thinking, and it, it paid off. All right, we're going to take another break. When we get back, we've got a cookie box full of listener questions. Here at Dinner SOS, we love tackling your kitchen issues. But what if I told you there's a way to rescue dinner before it turns into an emergency? With expert insights from the test kitchen, cooking and entertaining tips, and a treasury of over 50,000 recipes, Bon Appetit and Epicurious are your lifelines to rescue any meal. And right now, our listeners can get 20% off an annual digital subscription, including access to the user-friendly Epicurious app. Just use code SOS20 at bonappetit.com. That's SOS20 for a 20% discount on an annual digital subscription to Bon Appetit and Epicurious. Happy cooking. And don't worry, I'll still be here if your dinner plan self-destructs. 
Welcome back to Dinner SOS. This year, we got a bunch of listener questions about baking gift-worthy cookies, and we're going to tackle a few of them together, mailbag style. Okay, I'm reading the first question. Email from Callie. I'm an avid cook slash baker and stay-at-home mom with three kids under three. Yikes. And I'm wanting to do lovely treat boxes for my neighbors this year. However, my free time is limited and I'd love to be able to do prep work early in the season as I have windows of time. Is there a collection of cookies, confections, desserts, etc. that freeze well ahead of time, look gorgeous, and can be arranged in a Pinterest-worthy manner for holiday gifting? I love this question. This woman is my mother. My mom makes... Not, you know, my Aunt Marianne's level of cookies, but an, a good number of cookies every year. And she makes them like the week after Thanksgiving and freezes them all. And then they live in our freezer until the week of Christmas when she takes them all out and arranges them and gives them to people and whatever. Cookies stand up really, really well to the freezer, all fully baked. And all you have to do is like take them out and put them on a platter and they will come to room temperature on their own and they are no worse it. There's a lot of cookie doughs that you can freeze as doughs and then bake them off if you want sort of like more freshness to that. But the fully baked cookie will last. My mom does it like she piles them on a paper plate and then puts the plate in a Ziploc bag and then piles the Ziploc bag paper plates in the freezer (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, divided by type of cookie. But that really works. Fully agree. Whether you want to do frozen dough, in which case, you know, portioning your cookies ahead of time is key unless it's a slice and bake, like portioning, rolling into balls, freezing on a baking sheet, and then transferring to a Ziploc and labeling it. That's definitely the play with like so many drop style of cookies. I think you could make caramels in advance. Mm. Toffee caramels, Mm. they last such a long time and you don't need to freeze them. Mm. From our cookie package, I would recommend she make the matcha spritz, even the chili cheese cookies, Mm -hmm. and Hannah's tiramisu cookies. Mm. You could totally make them in advance, I think, and just freeze it and then let them come to room temperature and they would taste the same. I think so. I think they would even be really good cold. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say Hannah's cookies, those tiramisu cookies, another like insane transformation. Snowball cookies, yeah. Love that. Any, Any final thoughts for Callie? I think most of the cookies in this package even are giving Pinterest. Yeah. I think that like she has so many options. For sure. And we love a proactive queen. Get on your (laughs) holiday baking now. Correct. Definitely. All right. Next up, we have a voice memo from Abby. Hi, Chris. I have a holiday dinner SOS, and it has to do with holiday cookies. So always try to make like a bunch of office cookies. And every year, I mean, I don't mind that it's a whole thing, but every year I try to do like a molasses cookie, a chocolate chip cookie, you know, maybe like a frosted cookie and I feel like when I make these cookie recipes by themselves they always taste better like the fact that there's so much going on in the one cookie bakeathon if you will seems like you lose a little quality and I was thinking there's probably like a cookie framework that I don't know like make one dough and do a bunch of things with it so that's my holiday dinner SOS wow okay I mean I feel like there's kind of like two things in here for me One is just like, what's like a category killing holiday cookie to like rule them all, kind of, right? But then also she's asking about what is like a cookie framework that she doesn't know to the point of make one dough and potentially do a bunch of things with it. I'm 
like to my mind, like one cookie that does a bunch of things, I'm always a little suspect about. <laughs> yeah. Versatility is not necessarily what I'm going for. I would like a well-angled cookie rather than a well-rounded cookie. Like I want it to be very much its own sort of particular thing. I wouldn't like it if we tried to make Rachel's chili cheese cookies be baklava. You know right. what I mean? I, I want it to feel distinctive. That said, like a plain sugar cookie dough, you could roll it out, punch out rounds, and make a dulce de leche filling. And now you have a sandwich cookie. You could make a linzer cookie with mm-hmm. jam. You could, you know, fold in chocolate or frost the tops and use sprinkles. Like you could do quite a bit with a single sugar cookie dough. But the taste is just going to be the same sort of across the board. So I think that makes sense for like if you want sort of visual variance. But in terms of, you know, one spectacular bite, I think you're better served finding a very unique cookie flavor wise that can sort of jolt people out of the sort of humdrum nature of eating the same kind of cookie again and again. Right. Or if you are making a variety, you know, you stick to some of the classics and then every year you make one unique cookie, Mm. one new cookie that you haven't made before. Satisfies everything. Somebody wants a chocolate chip cookie, it's there, or a gingerbread one, it's there. And then you push the limits a little bit with a new the wild cookie. card. The wild card, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's the beauty of the project, right? I think it goes back to cookies, like in my mind, at least being inherently laborious. Like <laughs> there's a reason that you're taking on the project and not getting the tin of cookies yeah. that have the same dough, just like they all taste the same. So I think that just like that's the beauty of the process of it all. Yeah. I actually, I, I'm going to revise my earlier statement. If she is going to do one thing to use multiple ways. I think the molasses cookie that she mentioned could live a couple of different lives. Like you could Mm -hmm. roll the ball in sugar before you bake it so it has that crust, Mm -hmm. sugar crust outside. Mm -hmm. You could, you know, the softer sort of chewier molasses cookies you could make into like a whoopie pie style um, by like sandwiching a cream between them. You could ice the top of it. But that does feel distinctly holiday and flavor more than a sugar cookie does to me. Correct. Yeah, I agree with all this. My advice is like, don't expect one dough to do multiple things necessarily, like from like a flavor perspective. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as you start adding different ingredients to a dough, like they can change the structure of the dough. They can impact performance. But what Kendra's talking about with the molasses cookie is using that one dough for its own merits, but kind of like almost doing like a finishing treatment that kind of skews it in one direction or another. Like The example I was thinking of is like either with your spritz cookie as well, Kendra, or like, you know, my zebra striped shortbread cookie swirling in like a different color. You can do like, you know, multiple tints to the dough using food coloring and then use multiple standing sugar colors and types around the outside. Mm -hmm. Just that, like letting each cookie kind of like do its own thing, but just doing like a final kind of like visual treatment can multiply the impact of your cookie, even if it's starting from like a very simple place with just like one dough. Totally. Okay. So from Jessica, I've got I'm a competent cook, but I don't really bake. But I love holiday cookie boxes. I've compromised with myself by learning how to make biscotti and nothing else. The problem (laughs) is that each year I like to make three or four kinds, and usually I'm trying to create at least one new flavor. When I look for recipes to start from, they vary dramatically, and since I don't know a lot about baking, I can't wrap my head around what it means that one recipe calls for six eggs and another calls for three eggs plus one egg yolk. 
I know it matters, but not how or why. So the problem becomes that when I try to put new stuff in the biscotti, I'm throwing off the delicate balance of dry and wet and hard and soft, and that isn't always great. Can you help me with a base recipe and tips about adding things like dried fruit, nuts, cocoa powder, and extracts? I'm lucky that my family will eat them no matter what, but that doesn't stop me from wanting to, quote, get it right. Paging Jesse's chef's check. Beep, beep, beep. Beep, yes, beep. Paging yes. Jesse. Jesse solved this problem for you. Almost like it was meant to be. Meant to be. It's like the do anything biscotti mm-hmm. cookie recipe for Epicurious. It's truly exactly what you're looking for. I can't believe it. We've solved your problem in the, <laughs> the most perfect way. It's like, how can the base be vanilla? How can the base be chocolate? Do you want to fold in nuts or dried fruit or whatever? Do you want to glaze on top? Do you want to chocolate dip? Lots of different variations built within the same base recipe framework so you don't have to do what we do all the time, which is that crazy math to make sense of varying recipes. Correct. I, w- I want to say it's like any Scotty. But yeah. I know any Scotty is so cute. Yeah, we've seen this before with like brownies, etc. When you start throwing like cocoa powder around, that is going to function as a dry ingredient, almost as though you've added flour. And that's going to create toughness and hardness. And certain elements like nuts and dried fruit can be interchangeable. But just starting from one great base recipe. Exactly. That Jesse recipe was phenomenal. It's like not too hard, but not too soft. And it seemed incredibly easily accommodating of a multitude of mix-ins. I hope we solved cookies for this year, but I guess time will tell, right? Any final cookie thoughts from anyone? I think you should make them. (laughs) (laughs) Just make make cookies. cookies. Yeah, and, and and don't let your past cookie hating stop you from participating <laughs> in the cookie festivities. Give it a try. Here, here. Well, listen, thank you all so much for joining us and for all of your contributions to this amazing, beautiful cookie package. I'm so glad we jumped back into cookies wholeheartedly. Mouths open this year. And yeah, it's really fun to have you all on. So I'm going to remind um, you next year when you try to say we don't need cookies, I'm going to re- play this episode back. For I you. know. <laughs> Your 15% regret. Well, you know, there'll be another mountain to climb next year. There always is. If you have a dinner emergency on your hands, write to us at dinnersos at bonappetit.com. Or leave us a voice message at 212-286-SOS1. That's 212-286-7071. You can find the cookie recipes mentioned on today's episode on the Epicurious app, brought to you by Condé Nast. Just search Epicurious in the App Store and download today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. And hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening to Dinner SOS. I'm your host, Chris Morocco. My co-hosts this week are Inez Anguiano, Rachel Gerger, and Kendra Vaculin. Our producer is Michelle O'Brien. Jordan Bell is our executive producer. Peyton Hayes is our associate producer. Cameron Foos is our assistant producer. Jake Loomis is our studio engineer. Amar Lal makes this episode. Next week, Ruby's in charge of Christmas dinner for her husband's family, but the number of dietary restrictions is simply overwhelming. So in this family, there is a garlic allergy. I am celiac. 
We have a dairy-free family member. We have a no-pork family member. And we have a flexitarian who will eat chicken. That's mostly it. And it's just a lot to accommodate for. Hey listeners, Chris Morocco here. If you find yourself in a dinner crisis, the Epicurious app comes to the rescue. Not only will you unlock over 50,000 recipes from Bon Appetit and Epicurious, but you'll also receive daily personalized recommendations based on your unique preferences and dietary needs. Head to the Apple App Store and download the Epicurious app to kickstart your seven-day free trial today. Don't miss out on this culinary adventure. Start your free trial and let the Epicurious app be your kitchen hero. Happy cooking.